Hello, beautiful people. Today I have a conversation with Lauren Bradley, who is a personal trainer from Boston, Massachusetts. We discuss her journey through disordered eating and how she healed herself and eventually transformed all this healing energy into creative power to create her business and help people love their bodies and form a positive relationship with food. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Enjoy, beautiful people. My name is Lauren Bradley. I, um, let's see, I grew up in the Boston area. I was there for all 35 years of my life. And then I recently just packed everything up and moved down to North Carolina just to try something different, um, to be closer to the beach, closer to the water and without, you know, having to pay an arm and a leg to do it. And, uh, I have an online virtual business that I run and I just kind of brought that down here with me. That's kind of the beauty of of what I do is I can work from anywhere. So that's kind of that. Is that what you always did for work? How did this passion start? So I was a personal trainer in the gyms for over 10 years. Um, And then I got to this point where I was like, you know, I'm seeing the, the same clients day in, day out, week after week, month after month, some of them year after year. And they had, most of them had these weight loss goals. And they just weren't hitting them. And so I was like, all right, now I had a degree in nutrition. I had my holistic health coach certification. So I was like, what if I brought all of that together and started working with them on their nutrition and taking this approach to it that wasn't, you know, dieting and counting points and calories and all of that, but more of this holistic approach. And so I was kind of limited as to what I could do in the gym. You know, I had a half hour to an hour with these people every week. And so I was like, let me see if I can start a business. And so I just kind of started doing it. And after a couple of years, um, it was strong enough where I left the gym and I took this business on full time. And I've been doing that ever since. Wow. So for the nutrition aspect of it, Going back to your past, were you always focused on nutrition? Did you have a weight loss journey that inspired you to want to coach others? So I had always been healthy, fit. I was always very active as a kid. Uh, It wasn't until probably college and post-college that I got this, um, it was the food obsession for sure where I would diet really hard and then I would binge eat even harder. And it was this constant back and forth food ran my life. I thought about it from the minute I woke up, regretting everything I ate the day before, promising myself today was going to be perfect and I was going to stick to the plan, like whatever plan I was on at the time. And then inevitably it would fall apart and I would end up eating like an entire pizza and a pint of ice cream. And then it got to the point where I would go make myself sick so that I could go eat more. Um, And so it really turned from this like, oh, maybe I should lose a few pounds before I go on spring break to this all out like binge eating disorder. I ended up gaining 20 pounds. And I remember one night sitting on my couch after a binge and just in tears thinking like, how am I supposed to keep doing this? How am I supposed to keep hiding this from the people that I love? If I ever like, find a partner. How am I going to hide this from my partner? Like, how am I supposed to live the rest of my life like this? I was 29 at the time. And I had this, I I call it like my come to Jesus moment. (laughs) I'm not exactly like a religious person, but that's the best way I can describe it where 
this voice came in that was just like, this isn't the only way. And so I did the only thing I knew to do at the time. And I went to Google and I typed in how to stop eating so much food in one sitting. And what I realized was there were a lot of people out there struggling with the same things that I was. And I found this 10 week coaching program that wasn't so much about dieting and, and weight loss, but it was more about, um, you know, taking responsibility for your choices and that you are always kind of in the driver's seat of how much you eat and why you eat. And that for me changed everything because what I was doing was I've always been like a very sensitive, very emotional person. And I was kind of taught like, that's not okay. That's, you know, just push those feelings to the side and, and deal with them later. The way I was dealing with them was with food. And so what I learned to do was feel my feelings, manage my feelings, and then the binge eating and the dieting and the food obsession, and the body obsession kind of came, you know, kind of worked its way out from there. And so that's really what I have kind of, that's turned into a passion of mine is helping women do the same thing. When you were struggling during this time, did people know that you were going through it, even though you felt like you were hiding it? I told a couple people. Mm. Um, I told a couple people who were very close to me, and their responses to me were not great. One of them was, really? I, I told her how I was binging and purging. And she's like, well, that's gross. Just stop. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, if it was that easy, like I would do it. And then I told somebody else and they were just like, oh, it's probably just a phase. Like, you'll be fine. It will figure itself out. And it had been going on for years at this point. And clearly, like, it wasn't getting better. And so that's when I really was like, okay, I either need to, like, go somewhere and mm -hmm. get this taken care of or I need to hire a therapist or I need to do something because, and that, you know, nobody has the answer for me. And it, it kind of made me feel even more alone because it was like the people I trusted the most were kind of just like pushing it aside. Like, don't worry about it. It'll take care of itself. When it was really something that was running my life. Wow. That must have been so hard. Were you working as a personal trainer at the time? I was. So you would show up to work, I imagine, just feeling awful. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. It's so funny. Well, it's not funny, but... I still see like pictures of myself from back in that time, like working at the gym. And I just remember how I felt at that time and just thinking like, oh my God, like I remember looking in the mirror, just ripping my body apart. No one's going to want to hire you if you look like this. No one's going to, like your business is going to crumble because you can't even practice what you preach. I was gaining weight, it seemed like by the week, it was everything just seemed like it was getting worse. And so to show up, and try to, you know, be an example of what a healthy person is, I felt like a complete fraud. Mm. Wow, that must have been a really difficult time. Yeah, it was like, it almost felt like I was two different people. Like I would walk into the gym, I would take care of my clients, and I was confident, and I was bubbly. And then, so my schedule at the gym, I would work from like 6 to 12, and then 4 to 8. And so between uh, my two shifts, Every day I would stop at CVS, I would binge eat on my way home. And then oh, whatever I didn't finish, yeah, it was crazy. Whatever I didn't finish, I would eat on my way back to work. And whoa. so it was wild, yeah. And it was every day? Pretty much, yeah, 
Yep. It, and it was, you know, Pop-Tarts for some reason were like my food of choice. Mm-hmm. And it's the craziest thing is after I kind of healed my relationship with food in my body, I was like, well, let me see, like, let me buy a box of Pop-Tarts and see if I can like really do this. And I had one, <laughs> like, these are the most disgusting things. Like they taste gross, but like, that's the thing is, is when you're binge eating, you don't eat for the flavor. You're not eating for enjoyment. You're just eating to eat. Mm. Um, and so, but you know, I, I started getting to this point through my, the mindset work that I was doing where if I bought a box of pop tarts, I would, and I only ate six instead of the eight that were in the box, I would celebrate that. And I'd be like, Oh my God, Hey, maybe tomorrow I'll only eat five. Like, let's see. Or maybe I'll just finish the box I bought today. Like, let's see. It kind of turned into this, like, let's see what I can do here. This little game almost. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, that was, I think that that's one of the best things that we can do, whether it's with food or, or in any area of our life is celebrate all the small wins because they make such a difference. That's what it takes to be successful in anything. Did you realize that with the emotional regulation, once you started to gain more control through your emotions, did that mean that you were meditating or what was the mindset? that you had to have in order to navigate through? Like for someone listening right now that they're like, okay, so maybe my emotions are taking over and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What would be step one besides Google, which is amazing resource and coming out and reaching out with you, obviously. So I think the number one thing for me was giving myself permission to have any food. Because when you're stuck in this this like diet culture of you're only supposed to eat like lean proteins, fibrous veggies, and maybe some healthy fats. Like we get stuck in that, like anything outside of that box is bad. Mm-hmm. When I started telling myself and it took a long time to like retrain my brain to like believe this. But when I started telling myself, you can eat pop tarts, you can eat pizza, you can eat ice cream and it's fine. It almost the allowance kind of just made me not want it anymore. Because it was like I was almost subconsciously like rebelling against diet culture. Like, oh, you're telling me I can have half a cup of ice cream. I'm going to eat the whole pint, which seems like a, a, a silly thing. But I've seen this work so often with my clients. We, I actually just talked to one of them the other day who, when she started working with me, every night before bed, she would have a bowl of cereal, like fruity pebbles or something. And she's like, I know I shouldn't do it. She's like, but I look forward to it all day. I love it so much and it's just like it makes me feel so happy so I was like then why would we take that away like go ahead and eat it and like let's tackle something else and so she told me this past week she's like you know ever since you gave me permission to eat the cereal she's like I eat it maybe two or three times a week it's not an everyday habit anymore because now that I have permission to do it I see I don't feel like I need to do it Mm. so I think that's step one is is allowing yourself to eat any and all food. And it's scary because especially coming, if, if somebody's struggling with binge eating, it's like, well, if I have one cookie, I'm going to have 12. But I have a lot of these strategies and tips that I teach my clients so that like you have one and then you pause. I, I'll, I'll just give it to you. It's called the stack method. Mm-hmm. So you eat a cookie and then you stop. That's the S. And then you get the timer out. So whether it's on your cell phone or your microwave, set a timer for 15 minutes 
and then you go and physically move where you are in the space. So if you're sitting on the couch, you're gonna get up and move to a different room. Or if you're standing in the kitchen, you're gonna go move to the couch. You have to physically move where you are in space. And then when the timer goes off, and you have to get busy too, like go fold laundry or clean or something. When the timer goes off, nine times out of 10, people forget why the timer's going off in the first place because they've put that barrier in there. Um, that's when you assess, do I still want to eat the second cookie or not? And then you get to choose. And either way, it's the mindful choice, whether you choose to eat the cookie or not. And this works so well because, you know, there may be times where you do eat three or four cookies, but you're building that barrier in between each time. So it's less of a compulsion and more of a mindful choice. And so I think that that's another step that has worked really well for my clients in terms of, you know, stopping just this automatic eating to a more mindful choice. And do you notice too, and for yourself, when you shifted this mindset, you became more focused on the types of foods that you were putting in for nourishment versus the compulsive behavior? Um. I had always been, you know, because of my, what I studied in college, like I always kind of knew what was like a healthier option than something else. It really, I'm going to say no. Like, I think that it just kind of all worked itself out really. Because yeah. I had, and, and I find that with people who have been dieting for a long time, they know what to eat. They know what like a healthy meal looks like. It's just this thought of, okay, how do I, it's this thought of really just being less perfect so they can be more consistent. So mm -hmm. having the salad with grilled chicken on top and maybe adding some ranch dressing and a sprinkle of cheese instead of like lemon and vinegar mm -hmm. or, you know, having the burger and fries, but taking half of the bun off something, you know, right. like it all know these things, but I think what happens with a lot of people coming from dieting or who are trapped in diet culture is I can't have the cheeseburger. It has too much fat. Cheese is bad for me. The bun is bad for me. The fries are bad for me. And it turns into this stressful situation where like if we just made a couple swaps or a couple adjustments, it's fine. Right. It's so crazy how as human beings, it's like we want what we can have. So it's like, we think that we can't have all of this. So suddenly we want it all. I mean, it's even relevant in relationships. It's like, oh, someone doesn't like me. I want them more. Exactly. And it's so crazy. It really is. And I always explain that as like, we have this like toddler in our head. If you tell a toddler, no, they're going to rebel. Right. And then they're going to want to go do that thing even more. And they think it's funny. They think it's a game. We all have that toddler in our head. And so I really have my clients watch their language. Whenever they say like, I can't eat this or I shouldn't eat this, we have to flip that to I can, do I want to? Always reframe things in the way that gives you the choice. Right. And it just helps you feel so much more empowered to say instead of like, oh, I can't eat cookies. Like I can eat them, but do I, like, do I want them? Mm -hmm. Then you get to decide. Instead of like somebody who wrote this random diet that you decided to do telling you what you can and can't eat, nobody knows you better than you know yourself. So give yourself the choice. Yeah. 
So going back to the relationship that you had with food before and then the way that it shifted, I imagine that once you shifted your mindset, so much more was released. So like, I guess you thought it was the food, but it wasn't even the food to begin with. So you probably lost weight without even trying at that point. Yeah, the 20 pounds were gone within six months. Wow. Just because I had, number one, given myself permission to stop dieting and to stop the obsessive thinking and really reframe those thoughts. And because I had really learned to feel my feelings. Right. I mean, and it's, it sounds so like cliche almost. And it's, you know, when I, whenever I say to people, like, you have to feel your feelings, like you can see the eye roll or you can like hear the eye roll, you know, but that's really, that's it. You know, cause if, if we can sit there and say like, okay, I'm feeling kind of anxious today. I wonder what that's about. And just kind of explore it a little bit versus, oh my God, I feel anxious and head right to the fridge. I mean, what's the healthier, you know, we need those like healthier coping mechanisms and coping skills takes a while to develop. But I think that that was my saving grace is, is not making myself wrong for feeling sad, for feeling anxious, for feeling stressed, for feeling overwhelmed and just letting it, letting it be there. Right. You know, I think we're so quick to, when we feel sad, it's like, okay, I have to go make myself feel better. Mm -hmm happens if we just let ourselves be fat for a little bit right it's sometimes not easy but i agree that the universe gives back when you allow yourself to exist as you are it's like we're never allowing ourselves to be present and exist as we are in the the moment that we do things come in as they should and we can actually listen otherwise we're just numbing down with things Yeah. I mean, and I find myself still doing that sometimes like in my business, if I'm like, okay, like, what am I going to do next? And I start like doing all of this, like quote unquote work, but nothing's ever getting done. It's like, I, this is something I've been practicing is just taking a step back and like going for a walk or watching an episode of the office or just something that just to like pull me back a little bit, something that allows me to pause because I know that if I push, push, push and force things, the result isn't ever going to be good. Whereas if I relax and really just kind of let the universe guide what I'm supposed to do next, it Mm -hmm. always works out. Always, always, always. And that's been a huge practice for me as well. Yeah. Have you always been a creative person? Because even I feel like to become your own boss, this is all a creative evolution of careers coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, what's so funny. I was listening to one of Brene Brown's audiobooks the other day, and she was talking about, you know, how important it is to be creative. And I had this thought of when I was younger, like first and second grade, I wanted to be an author. We would write these like little books and they would like find them. And it was my favorite, favorite thing to do. I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be an author. Somewhere along the way, that got squashed. And it was like, well, that's not realistic. Like you have to go do something that will pay the bills. It wasn't until I started my business and I was probably a year or so into it that I was like, oh my God, like this is a creative outlet for me. Like I get to create these programs that are changing people's lives. I get to create programs that are changing my life that like, this is what's paying my bills now. It's amazing. And so I think I've always been creative. Yes. But along the way, like uh, that just got squashed. And to me, creativity was like, 
if you're crafty or if you are like an artist or if you're a writer. And I wasn't any of those things. And so I was like, oh, I'm just not a creative person. But really like getting into my online business and, and creating a, a business from the ground up really helped me see like, ooh, that's still in me. That's still there. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like for me, you're in flow. And that's what happens when you align with intuition. And I've talked to so many entrepreneurs that when they follow their path, everything starts to slowly come together. Yeah, it's really, I mean, that's how I landed in North Carolina too. So I have been really practicing um, getting in touch with my intuition and mm -hmm. trusting it and following it, which is so hard because, you know, we hear all the time, trust your gut. And it's so hard to do because a lot of times our intuition will tell us the opposite of what we should be, what we think we should be doing, right? Like leave that relationship or go ahead and eat the cookies or move six states away from all your friends and your family. Like, but again, like I've noticed when I do trust what my gut is saying and I do trust my intuition, it never steers me wrong. And yeah, that's when I feel the most aligned and that's when I feel the most in flow and that's when life just feels really fun and easy. Why'd you choose North Carolina? And did you literally just pack up your car and go? And did you find a rental house before? Yeah, so I, I had been living, um, like I said, in New England for my whole life. And, and I had had, like, probably 10 years ago, I was like, I would really love to live somewhere else. And I was actually dating someone who lived in Colorado, and I was going to move out there. We ended up breaking up. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll just stay, stay here. And then my lease in Boston was ending, and I was like, you know what? Now is the time. Like, I have nothing tying me here. Um, so I might as well try it. So again, I went to my best friend, Google, and I Googled um, beach towns on the East Coast in the South. And Wilmington was the second one that came up. I think Charleston was first and Wilmington was second. And there was just something about Wilmington that I was like, all right, let me check this one out. So I clicked it. The more I researched, the more I was like, this seems like the kind of place I would want to be. Um, then I told my family, I was like, I'm thinking of doing this. and then, you know, once I kind of talked to them about it, I started looking at apartments, I got a rental. And then at the end of um, July, I packed up my car, whatever I could fit in my car, packed up my car, put my cat in there, and we made the, the 12 hour, well, it's like 14 hour trip down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. I mean, thank you. It's funny. I, I had to go. Um, get some work done on my car yesterday. And the guy was asking me, he's like, what, what made you choose here? And I, I told him the whole thing. And he's like, that's really brave. And I was like, well, I kind of teeter between like feeling like it's a brave thing and feeling like it's a really stupid thing. <laughs> like, mm. I left everything behind, you know? So there is that back and forth, but you know, I, I love it down here. Yeah. That's so amazing. Life is so short. It's like when, when else, when else? Absolutely. And, and that's what I told a lot of people too, who asked me like, why, like, why are you suddenly moving? And it's kind of a morbid thought, but I was like, you know, the one regret that I have is not studying abroad in college. Like, mm -hmm. I just feel like that was the perfect time. And I was like, I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking like, well, what if I just tried that? Right. What if I just tried this like adventure? The other mentality I had is you're never stuck. 
And so like, if I came down here and I hated it, I could just go home. So like, it, yeah. it's a risk-free adventure that I get to take myself on, you know, and yeah. there have been challenging moments for sure. And I'm homesick for sure. Um, but it's also, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to take this as an opportunity to figure out like what I want and what makes me happy and, and just to get myself out of my comfort zone a little bit. So before we go, what is your favorite book and advice for people that may be struggling with self-image right now? Okay. My favorite book in the personal development world is probably The Four Agreements. Love that um, book. It, yeah. It's just, that really changed a lot for me. I love Don't Take Anything Personally. That yeah. Um, so that's my favorite book there. I'm actually reading right now the new Twilight book. Ooh, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I forget. Uh, Midnight Sun, maybe it's called. So it's written from Edward's perspective. Mm. So that's kind of like my, my guilty pleasure right now. Um, and then my advice for anyone struggling with body image. Yeah, body image, self-image. I guess just yeah. discovering who they are. Oh, that's a that's a loaded one. It is a loaded one. <laughs> They'll have to reach out for you more. <laughs> well, I would say I, I I'm a big fan of always like question everything. Like, mm -hmm. why is it that you think that there's something wrong with the way you are, or why is it that you think there's something wrong with your body? Who says who? Mm -hmm. And really digging into where those ideas came from, who they came from and why. And then if you're ready to pull yourself out of it, I mean, absolutely reach out to me. If I'm not your cup of tea, I have a network of hundreds of people I can refer you to. I have resources. So, but I think that that's always step one is like, why am I the way I am? Like what got me to this place? Because mm -hmm. once we know that, then we can plan the exit strategy. Beautiful. And how can people find you on Instagram, on Facebook? Yep. So I'm on Instagram. It's at Lauren Bradley Coaching. Facebook, it's Fueled Physique with Lauren Bradley. I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of a little rebranding. Um, but Instagram is where I love to hang out. So that's, that's where I'm most active. Awesome. This is such a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me.